Several months ago, I was having lunch with a team of volunteers, and one of them asked me, what is ministry like? I couldn't remember being asked the question before, and I was a little bit surprised and unprepared, but I jokingly responded with, do you want the short answer or the long answer? It's not very often I am asked to share my experiences in ministry, so this month we're beginning a new series on ministry leadership, everything from God's call to the big wins, the heartaches, early mornings, and late nights. We're discussing candid conversations on ministry leadership. You're listening to The Bloom Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Robinson, for November 3rd, 2023. tuning in today. Bloom is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with others and Jesus. We are deeply passionate about cultivating you spiritually to be all that God has created you to be. If you're just joining for the first time, welcome. Bloom launches a new podcast on the first Friday of each month. Love for you to stay connected, so share the link, like, and subscribe, and leave a comment so that we can continue to bloom together. So there is a simple saying that goes, you don't know what you don't know. If you have never known what ministry leadership is like, you might be curious. Or if you are considering serving in some capacity of ministry or are already actively leading and are seeking encouragement and wisdom, this conversation is going to be for you also. So according to a 2022 Barna study, nearly 50% of ministry leaders will leave ministry within the first five years. Now you're probably thinking, I thought you just said this would be encouraging. (laughs) And it will be, I promise, just stick with me. But I thought it was necessary to share the statistics because ministry burnout is a very real thing. Now I'm not here to solve the problems with ministry burnout today, But I want the result of this episode to be twofold. I want to first speak to those of you who are going into ministry or already are in ministry. I want you first to know that it is a privilege to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus. But that privilege does not entitle you to the right for comfort and convenience. Secondly, I want to speak to those of you who are not serving in ministry leadership. I want you to know that pastors, ministers, leaders, we're humans too, okay? We will fail, we will make mistakes and mess up. But look at the heart of the leader. That's what I want to encourage you and challenge you to see. Craig Rochelle once said, leadership is both a blessing and a burden. It's exhilarating and exhausting. It's fun and it's frustrating, This would be my short answer to the opening question, what is ministry like? In a single sentence, this pretty accurately captures the essence and summarizes the competing emotions that run parallel with leaders in ministry at a constant rate. Sitting with someone in the trenches of their trial, crying out to God on their behalf, it's a burden and it's exhausting. Seeing someone come to Jesus for the first time or overcome addiction, it's a blessing and it's exhilarating. Doing life with others, it's fun and it's frustrating. These are the experiences ministry leaders encounter all the time. One moment, a big upset, the next, a big win. When you enter a call into ministry, whether that is part-time or full-time, vocationally or voluntarily, you will inevitably encounter these same experiences. And at some point, they will even occur simultaneously. 
but we're going to get to that more in the next episode. What I really want to focus on today, before we dive deeper into these candid conversations of ministry leadership, let's first begin by discussing the heart of a ministry leader. Ministry leadership is all about the heart. There are several characteristics that could define a minister's heart, but three are absolutely essential in order to lead well. At the core of a minister is someone who is obedient, faithful, and humble. Sacrificial obedience to God's call, sacrificial faithfulness in service to others, and sacrificial humility in leading. So if you didn't catch that, there's a bit of a theme with these characteristics. So let's unpack these a little bit more. Number one, sacrificial obedience to God's call. When we look at several leaders in the Bible who had a strong impact for the kingdom, it all began with an obedient decision. Look at Moses. If you're not familiar with the story of Moses, you can begin reading his ministry journey in the book of Exodus. But in a snapshot, God spoke to Moses by a burning bush and told Moses to lead his people out from the bondage of Egypt. Moses didn't feel equipped. He wasn't a great public speaker. In essence, he had flaws. Prior to his encounter with I am, Moses had been comfortably living in Midian since his departure from Egypt. God was not only calling Moses now to return to this land of slavery, but to go before the Pharaoh and lead the people of Israel to freedom. Each call from the Lord began with listening to the call and obeying the call, no matter how radical the ask or unqualified you feel. Some leaders in ministry have been called to step away from their marketing jobs, their nursing jobs, or their business in order to pursue ministry. Sometimes those decisions come with pay cuts, financial uncertainty, non-traditional work hours, and less time at home. Now, this is not a means of seeking either praise or pity, but rather to point out that obedience will always involve a degree of sacrifice. Sacrificing time, resources, comfort, convenience, sleep. Because a call requires obedience, it requires sacrifice. If you have not experienced sacrifice in your ministry as a ministry leader, I would question the depth of your ministry. There is always a cost. But the heart of a ministry leader is of obedience. So when the call doesn't make sense, or you don't feel like you're fit for the job, you are in good company with ministry leaders. In the years leading up to the time that God called me into vocational ministry, a time I call the preparation season, he was teaching and refining my ability to listen to his voice, even if the plan didn't make sense. I think back on those years and the stepping stones towards ministry where I was in the school of obedience. Because in ministry, obedience to his calling is first and foremost. Success in ministry is not a platform of thousands of followers, but obedience to God. Number two, sacrificial faithfulness in service to others. Like obedience, faithfulness to lead in ministry requires sacrifice. The heart of a ministry leader is someone who is selflessly faithful. Sacrificial faithfulness is more than just putting others before yourself. It's releasing the grip of control over your personal schedule and task list and allowing for disruptions, inconveniences, and disturbance of your own plans. 
And this does not mean that we don't ever establish boundaries, okay? We are finite humans with limitations, so we do have to understand that. But when we are ministers of the gospel of Jesus, we are continually seeking to meet the needs of others. And if we are genuinely doing that, it will demand a great level of self-sacrifice. Faithfulness is not a nine-to-five. It is praying with a heavy burden for someone in the wee hours of the morning. It is rearranging your plans in order to sit with someone who is grieving. It means going out of your way in order to provide a tangible need. I speak for many in ministry leadership who would tell you that a day off is not always a guarantee. You don't necessarily have the right to a day off when it comes to ministering to people. Ministry is a privilege, but it's not about the privilege to personal comfort and convenience. People's issues don't always fall within the hours or days you're in the office. And because ministry is not a nine to five where you clock in and clock out, you are always on call in the event there is a crisis. Now, for those of you that are going into ministry or are current ministry leaders, I say crisis because there are times when emails can wait until the next day. Or there are times when you simply can't make yourself available because you're out of town or maybe you have a prior family commitment. So what does a crisis look like? When someone calls you and says, my dad just passed away, or the doctor said the cancer's back, or I was just served divorce papers, those needs require the faithfulness to give up your right to your day off, the right to your personal agenda, and step in to be the hands and feet of Jesus to that person. There are certain aspects of needs that ministers just can't fill. So what I would love for people to know, for those of you not actively in ministry leadership, is that the heart of a ministry leader is to meet the needs of others in their time of need with full faithfulness in their given circumstance. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about giving up his rights as an apostle As Paul was going from city to city, he had to figure out how to secure lodging, food, and other necessary resources. And even though the workers in the temple received wages and food for their work, Paul did not claim his right to such provision. He also never claimed his freedom for certain living. In verse 3 of chapter 9, it says, This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit, or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? But then when we skip down to verse 12, he says, Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. That is the heart of a sacrificially faithful ministry leader. Ministry is not about claiming personal rights. We forfeit convenience and comfort in order that the gospel is preached. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Again, I say this to ministry leaders. This sacrifice is not to be received with pity, but privilege. It is our privilege that we partner with Jesus to advance the kingdom, serve, and love those we minister to. But for some of you that are listening who are not in ministry leadership, please remember, though, we are finite. We have limitations. We have families. 
And we'll talk more about this in part two, but I encourage you that if a ministry leader doesn't return an email on your timetable or respond to your text at nine o'clock at night, just remember to extend some grace. Third, sacrificial humility in leading. Sacrificial humility is not a phrase that gets tossed around. I have actually never really heard the words sacrifice and humility combined together as a description until I decided it was really fitting for this. So let's define it. What is sacrificial humility and what does it look like? Ministry leaders and their families can be under a microscope. Everyone's watching them. Everyone has thoughts and opinions about their words, their actions, their decisions. There is a great deal of being misunderstood in ministry leadership. People can be highly critical of your leadership. Your work is always on display to be assessed and evaluated by those you minister to. You can pour your heart and soul into something to have negative feedback in response. You are tied up with heavy ministry demands and couldn't get to that email as quickly as that person wanted you to. So they are disgruntled and upset and feel as though you didn't care enough about their needs. Sometimes the criticism and claims can be so extremely hurtful and even untrue. When your character and intentions are attacked, it is arguably the most severe blow to a ministry leader. But sacrificial humility means we take the harsh judgments, the critical comments, and the disgruntled attitudes, and we place them before the Lord. But I will say, it is extremely hard not to take it to heart. It is hard not to allow the negativity to dictate decisions, discourage us, and leave us feeling defeated. It is incredibly hard not to give a defense when others misunderstand or misjudge. There is one who by far understands above the rest in all the examples of sacrifice. But especially with sacrificial humility, there is none like Christ. In Mark 14, Jesus has been arrested and is now being brought before the council of the Sanhedrin, who are the religious leaders of that day. And what I love about this passage is seeing our spotless, blameless, perfect Savior being falsely accused, ridiculed, and misjudged but he responds with radical humility. I just want you to listen as I read this. I'm going to read in Mark 14 and begin in verse 53. They led Jesus away to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders and the scribes assembled. Peter followed him at a distance right into the high priest's courtyard. He was sitting with his servants, warming himself by the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they could not find any. For many were giving false testimony against him, and the testimonies did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, stating, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another not made by hands. Yet their testimony did not even agree, even on this. Then the high priest stood up before them all and questioned Jesus. Do you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest questioned him. Are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, why do we still need witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? They all condemned him as deserving death. Then some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to beat him, saying, Prophesy! The temple servants also took him and slapped him. 
all the wrongful testimonies. Couldn't even get their story straight, making false allegations against him, accusing him of blasphemy. The son of God who came into the world to redeem us, treated as a criminal and a phony. Even the very people who were once right by his side have now abandoned him. The people who witnessed his miracles and teachings now willingly and aggressively handing him over to be killed. And Jesus said nothing to his accusers. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was abused and punished, but didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was like a sheep that is silent when its wool is cut off. In the torment, the ridicule, the teasing, Jesus took it all with humility. Now, he boldly stated who he was, but he didn't defend against the false testimonies. He didn't call people liars. He didn't try to stand up for himself. He knew what he was called on earth to do. He understood his mission and purpose that he was preparing to complete on the cross. It didn't matter what anyone else said about him or to him because he had been sent by God to redeem us from sin. How is it that the same man who just days before rode in on a donkey with people singing Hosanna and waving palm branches was now on death row for his ministry? If you are a ministry leader or considering entering into ministry, I want you to know that humility might be the single most important and necessary characteristic of the heart. It is not an optional elective. It is a requirement. You will not arrive at the proper level of humility when you step into ministry leadership, but it is an ongoing process. Just like our sanctification, your humility will be refined throughout your ministry. You will face false accusations. Your intentions will be questioned. Your ideas and decisions will be up for judgment, and you will experience the painful blows to your character. But the heart of a sacrificially humble leader is one that doesn't feel the need to personally defend themselves, but to know that they have been called by God to carry out the mission and purpose for what he has prescribed for them. Jesus didn't have to say a word because he knew he was doing the work of his father. He knew who he was. The purpose of part one of this conversation is twofold. My main goal is that for the ministry leader listening, I want you to be encouraged and challenged by this. You are privileged to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus. But that privilege does not entitle you to the right for comfort and convenience. And secondly, if you are not in ministry, I want you to know that pastors, ministers, leaders, we are humans too. We will fail, we will make mistakes, and we will mess up. But know that the heart of a ministry leader is one that is grounded in sacrificial obedience, sacrificial faithfulness, and sacrificial humility. So when we do make those mistakes, just remember the heart behind ministers of Jesus is to obediently follow the call in our lives, faithfully serve others, and humbly receive both the good and the bad that comes with leadership. I hope this conversation creates space for more candid conversation. Next month on Bloom, I will be continuing the conversation with three pastors that I get the privilege to serve with. They each have leadership experience, wisdom, insight, and big hearts for God's people. I look forward to what they have to share with us. So join me back here next month. And in the meantime, keep growing and God bless.